Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For our longtime listeners, you know that Jew in the City exists with the mission of reversing negative associations about religious Jews um, by highlighting an approach based on kindness, tolerance, uh, critical thinking, and sincerity, and makes engaging and meaningful Orthodox Judaism known and accessible. Um, we spend a lot of time highlighting people that are doing things outside the box, um, highlighting people with interesting careers, highlighting people who are involved in, in chesed, in all sorts of acts of improving the world. Um, but for the side of our uh, mission that wants to make Orthodox Judaism um, engaging and meaningful, um, sometimes we talk about mitzvot. Um, and there are many mitzvot that have negative connotations around them and sort of negative associations in the media. Probably one of the most negative ones that is out there is the subject of mikvah or tahars and mishpacha, family purity. Um, and what I can say in my decade plus of running this organization, and as a Balchuva myself, um, that not all negative ideas that are out there come about due to media bias or someone having um, a bone to pick. Sometimes negative ideas uh, or things that are spread about due to things not working as the Torah intended them to. Now, sometimes that's because Orthodox Jews don't live up to the standards that the Torah calls upon us, and so someone might dress a certain way or purport to be someone who's very devout but really not have uh, the type of character traits that uh, the Torah would call upon them to have. Um, the Torah could be taught in a twisted way that would highlight um, kind of more extreme ideas when maybe things like that were meant to be taken as allegories and not literal. Um, and sometimes the practice of mitzvot um, are challenging and need sort of special care to be understood, to be appreciated. And it's my sense that that's where the topic of mikvah comes around. Um, we have today with us um, a very special woman. Her name is Dr. Naomi Grummet, and she's the founder and director of the Eden Center. Naomi is the source of inspiration and directs the implement implementation of programming for the Eden Center. Her doctoral research and examination of the interface of Tahar and Mishpacha and identity among modern Orthodox women and men, in which she interviewed husbands and wives and couples who observe Nida, is the catap catalyst upon which the Eden Center was founded. Her continued research connects Eden to the current needs and trends and propels the vision and programming. Um, Naomi, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So um, I hope I got the intro um, somewhat right that um, people struggle or some people struggle around um, the mitzvah of mitzvah because it's just in a complicated space. Like I think probably marital intimacy um, has all sorts of ways that it could go wrong. And when you have mitzvot in that area, if there's any sort of challenges or, um, I don't know, hang-ups or abuse or anything like that that occurred, it can just take this and make it even more challenging. And Did I get that right? Definitely. There's a lot of things that make mikvah challenging. It's a very vulnerable space. Um, it's a very private space. And if you think about it, um, Jewish women go to the mikvah every month, but it's not just about fulfilling a mitzvah. Women experience mikvah in ways that really overlap with lots of other areas of their private lives. Um, as you said, intimacy, but not only that, also 
how do you feel about your body? And how do you feel about somebody else being there and seeing your body? What's going on um, with your fertility? Do you want to become pregnant? Do you not want to become pregnant? Are you having trouble becoming pregnant? Um, when women go to the mikvah, these are some of the things they're thinking about. How is your relationship in general? Um, how were you educated about Taras HaMishpacha or about mikvah? Um, and I'll tell you, sometimes people learn a, about a lot of the spiritual beauty and a lot of the meaning behind mikvah and how and are taught that it can be a really wonderful asset to marriage. Um, and then they get to the mikvah and they really have a, a list of things that they have to do. And they're asked, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? But they don't feel the spiritual high. Um, that can make it very challenging. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I did my doctoral research and I really, over the course of time, I've interviewed thousands of women and hundreds of men about their experience keeping Tarot Mishpacha. So I just want to give you a couple of stories where um, it became clear to me that um, Tarot Mishpacha, going to the mikvah and keeping Tarot Mishpacha really overlaps with so many other things. So, for example, and this is part of what I think makes it challenging for people. Can I just um, for a second? Can you just can you say what um, in like what way are you studying this? Are you a psychologist? Are you a sociologist? Like what? I'm a sociologist, and I have looked at things from a sociological context, trying to understand the larger structures around and things that they affect. Which obviously also has to do um, in this realm. There's a lot of emotional and psychological issues that come up. Um, so if I give you some examples of things that I heard over time, um, I asked women often, um, what's it like, you know, what's it, what are the challenges in keeping Tarat HaMishpacha? And one woman said to me, it's really hard for me to talk about that right now. So I said, why? She said, well, you know, they taught us that if we keep Tarat HaMishpacha, we're going to have a beautiful, healthy family. And I just had two miscarriages. I don't even know if I'm going to have a family. And going to the mikvah for her is painful because she wants so badly to have a family. Um, and I heard from another woman who told me that she's in a relationship. She has nine children um, she said, well, I have gaps between my children when the abuse got so bad that I just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, so things that are going on behind obviously affect. But then we have um, just the interaction between a couple. Um, one woman said to me, I absolutely love going to the mikvah. I said, really? I said, you know, tell me more about that. She said, I, I really love it because every time I go to the mikvah, my husband does something to surprise me. So I'm not actually at the mikvah too long, but I'm waiting to come home. One time I came home and he filled the room with balloons. One time I came home and he made Malaysian food. One time I came home and he made a candlelight dinner and it was very beautiful um, expression of relationship and their desire to be together. And obviously also how we're educated about Tara Tamishbacha um, makes a big difference, but how we're educated about other things. For a lot of people, there's a dissonance between what they learn from the outside and media messages about 
um, intimacy and relationships. And then the idea of Kedusha in your relationship, um, sometimes for some people, it's very, very difficult to keep the halachot of Tarat HaMishpacha that say we should separate when my desires don't exactly line up, uh, line up with that. And, and when I, you know, am struggling to say, wait a second, where do I see the Kedusha in all of this? So as a result of hearing all these kinds of stories, um, and also women just feeling vulnerable in their bodies when they're at the mikvah, I realize that perhaps mikvah isn't fulfilling all that it could be, um, that, that there are many more things that we could do to improve the experience of mikvah. And as a result, we found I that. Theory. I have a theory, and I'm curious about it. I, uh, what do you think of it? I think that mikvah sort of has the potential to magnify things as they are. So if there's this healthy, passionate, positive marriage, then it has the potential to make that even more passionate. Um, but if there's some sort of underlying abuse or um, I would say even like a misunderstanding of how Judaism works. It's not like you, you know, put a coin in the machine and you get out what you want, um, you know, do the mitzvah and, you know, get the family. Um, then that can make that kind of even more challenging. Is that something that you would say you've seen reflected? Sort of mikvah is like a magnifying glass of kind of whatever the underlying situation is, makes it more. Yeah, I would say yes. It, it focuses on what the underlying situation, or it gives a focus to what the underlying um situation is as one woman told me she said you know if you have a good relationship and you know how to communicate then it's great and Tarat HaMishpacha is one aspect of that that enhances it even more but if you don't have those tools it doesn't automatically give them to you correct so so people do sometimes struggle with how they they uh, manage that in their relationship um, and I think, and just sort of talking about this, for me, this is a big um, sort of wake up because, thank God, um, I'm married for over 18 years and it's been a very positive, uh, you know, mitzvah. And, you know, thank God I have a wonderful marriage. Obviously, it has ups and downs, but um, sort of all the negativity that I read about was so hard to connect to. And as I started to see some of the underlying issues, um, it became apparent to me that when there's other things going on there, it can make it, it's not just parb, it's not just they're not enjoying it, but it's actually painful. Um, and that's obviously so tragic for, for pain to happen through, um, you know, uh, the vehicle of Torah and mitzvot. Um, yeah. I want one more sort of foundational questions for, before we get to the Eden Center. Was there anything in particular that motivated you to um, do this study for your PhD in general, just because you're a Jewish woman, or are you also a college teacher, or any, any inspiration for that? So I actually started this research when I was very young, and I said, we're, we as women are taught that there are some three things that women generally do, and three extremely uh, basic and profound mitzvot that mark us as Jews. Shabbat, Kashrut, Tarat, Amishbacha. And when I was, um, you know, I didn't learn anything about it growing up. I said, how can this be so foundational? And I grew up in a house that was observant of mitzvot, and I don't know anything about this. Um, and I, that really led me to say, one second, how do people keep this? And how many people keep this? I don't have a number statistically of how many people keep it, but... I, Growing up, I I really didn't know 
what was the reality in the community. And that, that was really important for me to find out. So in my sociological research, um, I asked people, how do they and how do, how do they keep it and how does it affect their lives? Um, and I think that uh, one of the lessons that I learned from doing it is that in today's day and age, there are so many other things that are so many messages that we get, so many things that are pulling people away from Yahadu, so many things that we have to struggle with that if we want our values to, to pass on to our children in today's day and age, it's important for us as a community to think about how do we talk about things in a Sanua way, but have them on the table. Because if they're not even on the table, then they don't become part of the value system, especially when there are so many other things um, that are influencing young people today. Totally. Okay, so now let's jump ahead. So you, you write this dissertation, you realize that, hey, wait, there's a lot of people struggling here. I didn't realize this. And so how, what's the time span between realizing that something needs to be done and then going out and opening up the Eden Center? Well, basically, through my research, um, it became very clear that um, we have to do something to allow mikvah to be more of a spiritual moment, to be a moment that we are sensitive to facilitating meaningful encounters, and that mikvah ladies could increase sensitivity and decrease a feeling of vulnerability just by knowing what some of the things are that can go on, but also that we have to connect people to resources because if women are suffering from OCD, if women are going through different struggles in their lives, whether it's the question of infertility or women are being abused, well, a lot of times that comes out in the encounter in the mikvah. A lot of times that woman who I told you had nine children and was abused, I asked her, does anybody know that you're going through this? And she said, no, except for the mikvah lady, because she sees things that nobody else does. Um, and it became clear that the mikvah lady, um, if we train them in the right way, can certainly be more aware, but can also reach out they can be resources themselves for connecting to other things. A, a mikvah lady who knows how to say, you don't have to be alone. Or, you don't deserve that. Or just to say, you know, there are other people out there who are going through something similar and maybe you want to connect to them can be a huge resource in the community. Um, and we can catch suffering through the mikvah um, because people come there with their vulnerable selves. But, you know, some people come and go in the mikvah setting. And even for those people, we want to have it positive. We want to have it as a beautiful spiritual moment. But um, basically, when after I finished my doctorate, we, uh, a group of us sat together and we thought, what could we do um, to help make it a more spiritual moment, a more welcoming and accessible um, and and really fit with the needs of the modern woman, the modern family, um, so that we can think about all of these different things. And so six years ago, we put together a professional training for mikvah attendance that really deals with a lot of topics that have nothing to do with the halakha, but have to do with fear of water and OCD 
um, and those topics. And in addition to that, um, we really thought about how can we make it less vulnerable through positive communication and other things. And we also started a training for Kala teachers so that they would integrate intimacy education um, and other resources into their teaching and be aware of some of the things that Kalas were going to be grappling with um, that are challenges today that maybe weren't challenges 20 years ago, including, for example, the need to be on the same page as the Chatan about a lot of different things. So um, so what services does uh, the Eden Center uh, currently offer? What are your programs? So we've done professional training for mikvah attendants all over Israel, and we just had an amazing, um, an amazing, um, I'm thinking in Hebrew, uh, hesseg, uh, something that felt like an amazing accomplishment that our curriculum influenced the Ministry of Religious Affairs, and now every new mikvah attendant who is trained um, has to go through this kind of uh, training that also talks about women's health and well-being and recognizes that the mikvah is a place for women where women can reach out to women. Um, we also train college teachers and chatan teachers, and we do community engagement, and we've created resources for women to use that can make their mikvah experience better. So, for example, we recently put out um, a resource called Birkat Emuna, which is for women who are undergoing fertility treatment or have had a loss, um, and it gives them a framework of traditional tefillot, um, such as tefillat chana, that they can use, um, and also sort of a framework for how to think about when they go to the mikvah, making it a spiritual and meaningful moment. Are your services only in Israel today? Is anything going on in any other part of the world? So we have um, blogs and social media that reaches everywhere. We've um, We just partnered with um, a uh, mikvah month in Leeds, England, um, where they were doing cancer awareness, and we've created a poster for cancer awareness and, you know, prevention in the mikvah, so they use that. And uh, we've had some programs in the States, but now we're focusing a lot on Israel, but our, our programming has influenced a lot of different places. We hear talk about all kinds of programming programs cropping up that really uses the principles that we came up with in understanding the interconnection of women's well-being and their experience at the mikvah. Um, and this is just the modern Orthodox community, or is there any, like, partnership? No, definitely not. Um, I mean, we train mikvah attendants who are from every uh, part, of the, part of the spectrum of Jewish life, and we reach into all different kinds of communities. We really try to be a resource for everybody who's talking about things, you know, in, in college teacher conversations on WhatsApp in all different places. So I was alerted um, a couple of years ago about the fact that in certain places, college teachers have some pretty negative messages uh, to callas about um, Telling the women that, you know, they should never tell their husbands no, even though this is explicitly against um, halacha. Um, and I think not giving over any sort of idea that this is meant to be a pleasurable, pleasurable experience, um, which was really horrifying to me because, you know, I 
I thought it was, you know, our duty here to break down stereotypes and show people, you know, what actual Judaism is. And um, then I discovered that some people are putting out these horrible ideas in the name of Judaism. So um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about people that have been mistrained? What meaning like we can start with sort of a new crop now of college, but what about um, the married women that um, got bad information, you know, and so I think though that's something that's really important to talk about. And um, we've certainly done work in communities here uh, trying to make information accessible to women and doing refresher courses or other um, programs in which women can re-engage with mikvah in a positive way. Part of it is um, thinking about how it can become meaningful and, and uh, speak to me with my own needs, but part of it is also a retraining of those kind of messages. Um, and you know, we had a blog written a while ago by a woman who, who wrote, who said in her blog that her college teacher reinforced, um, that this is a karate mitzvah. And therefore, you know, you really have to cut your fingernails down to the cuticle and you have to be really, really careful about that. Um, and she said that she would almost be bleeding and it would take her so long and it would be such an, um, an emotionally painful experience for her to go to the mikvah until somebody, one of the mikvah attendants pulled her aside and said, it really looks like you're suffering with this. Tell me what you do to prepare. And when she described it to her, the, the, the mikvah attendant said to her, that is much more extreme than it needs to be. And what you brought up is a really important topic of how do we together as a couple and as communities um, talk about intimacy in ways that are positive and make sure that messages um, that one side or the other has to give in um, are not conveyed. That That is talking about the fact that um, intimacy should be positive for both sides is crucial. And I think there have been a lot of discussions um, and I think that you're doing that here now. Um, but it's definitely a mutual um, field where women have to reach out for to, to go to refreshers, to think about it again, to explore how can this be positive. Um, and we, as, as people working in the field, have to do our best, especially with younger color. Um, there are so many things pulling um, pulling Kalot today that we have to think about um, what are the core messages of Judaism that we want to give over. Um, I believe that Chazal wanted us to have positive relation and this was supposed to help bolster that. So how do we talk about that? Were you, other than um, hearing that people had problems, I guess we'll get back to your study, were you were you expecting more positivity? Was there an overall positivity with the mitzvah with people that didn't have underlying problems? Are there like so you know there there's a big range of how people feel, um, and I and I do think that um, a lot of people do feel positive towards Haratzah and toward going to the mitzvah. This is something that's a, a tradition that's passed down from woman to woman for generations, um, and. It really can enhance a marriage and enhance um, Jewish life. And there were a lot of people who had extremely positive 
things to say. You know, the mikvah is a place of womanhood. Um, and when, when you come to it, it's a lot about how the woman prepares herself and how she's thinking. And if she wants to take that moment to pause in her life um, and say, great, I'm embracing this. I'm embracing this time for myself. I'm embracing this um, moment to connect to God. I'm embracing this opportunity that I have of reconnecting with my husband. And today, I think that a lot of it also has to do with the husbands and how they, um, you know, what what we set up as our relationship around Sarah Mishpacha, but how we set up our relationships. Do we make time for each other? Are we aware of making time for each other? Do, do both husband and wife um, try to make mikvah night a special night? For sure. What is the, what's the dream? Meaning, you know, God willing, if you had enough funding and sort of when your organization fulfills its mission, um, what would you like to see, you know, the Jewish world looking like? Well, we'd like to expand the educational programming that we've already begun and expand it all over the world. But aside from that, our dream is to build a mikvah in Jerusalem that will be a model for other communities, both in the educational sense as a training center, but also in the way that it welcomes people in the way that mikvah attendants are trained in a much broader way. And as a women's center with educational classes, women's health and well-being resources and other resources that every Jewish woman needs to make sure that Tara Tamishbacha enhances our lives and makes our marriages stronger. Love it. Um, do you think if you had to choose one to be trained optimally, what's more important, the college teacher giving over the right message or the mikvah attendant? Um, acting the right way? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think that um, in terms of the foundation of a marriage and the messages that we get, um, the Kala teacher um, is there at a time of transition and a very important moment, yeah. um, which sort of sets the basis for what a couple will see and do as they begin their married life and into their intimate life together. Um, that being said, if we want women to continue to um, feel positive about mikvah and continue to go besimcha and really have a, a, a good feeling and a positive experience, then the mikvah lady who is the contact person on an ongoing basis is really important to train. So I think that, in, you know, both of them need to be trained well and both of them need to be partners in making the, the mikvah the best place for women today. Yeah, I agree with your order. Um, and I would say, you know, the foundation of sort of even knowing what the ideal should look like needs to be there. And then, I mean, not that everyone has the luxury of having other mikvahs to go to, but even just sort of knowing what normal is or should be. And then if you have an uncomfortable mikvah experience with a mikvah attendant, that's something that you can sort of flag for someone in the community, perhaps. Whereas if your whole um, understanding of the concept is skewed and based on twisted ideas, um, I think that, you know, that just things could be doomed from the beginning. We are out of time, but... I so appreciate your time, and um, this is incredible work, and we wish you continued hatzacha. Amen. Thank you so much.
Um, and thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.